Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to today's podcast. So glad that you joined us. I got my uh, Dunkin' Donuts large coffee with me today, so I should be extra perky on the uh, episode today. We are in Jeremiah chapter number 14, and we are going to finish the chapter today, Lord willing, uh, verse number 17. If you would uh, just follow along, if you're able to, as I read, verse number 17 says, therefore thou shalt say this word unto them. So remember, Jeremiah is dealing with the false prophets. Lord, these other prophets are saying that everything's going to be okay. Uh, They're telling the people that uh, Babylon is not going to defeat us and that good times are coming and that it's all going to work out. Remember, we talked about the sign of the full wine bottle. Uh, Lord, I seem to be the only one with this doom and gloom message. What's up? And of course, the Lord said, oh, no, uh, they're lying. Uh, They're prophesying in my name. That's the worst kind of lie, to invoke the name of God, to bear the name of the Lord in vain. That's what they're doing. Uh, They're bearing false witness in that sense. But uh, their, their prophecy will not come to pass. In fact, they will taste of your prophecy, Jeremiah. The city will be destroyed and people will die. And bad times will come, and they will experience that, those prophets. So just keep on giving the truth. Now, verse number 17, say this, God says to Jeremiah, Therefore thou shalt say this word unto them, Let mine eyes run down with tears night and day, and let them not cease, for the virgin daughter of my people is broken with a great breach, with a very grievous blow. So Jeremiah, just tell them, look at me. I'm weeping. I'm weeping. It's a prophetic weeping. I'm weeping for what I know will happen. Think about the power of that message that God is giving to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I want you to say to them, let let us weep. Watch me weep. So convinced am I of the message God has given me. So convinced am I of the truth, the veracity of this message that I am already weeping in anticipation of what God will do as a result of the disobedience of God's people. So when when we think about Jeremiah as the weeping prophet, we need to think about his weeping in two ways. Number one, he weeped, uh, he wept, weeped. He wept ahead of destruction. And then he wept because of destruction. The book of Lamentations is really just a a poetic, a poetic verbalization of the weeping of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. And I think I mentioned this before on this podcast, but maybe that's one of the reasons why Jesus was considered by some to be Jeremiah come back to life. Remember the passage there in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus said to his own disciples at Caesarea Philippi, 
whom say men that I, the son of man, am? And among the suggestions, uh, some say you're Jeremiah. I wonder why. I wonder why people associated Jesus and his ministry with the ministry of Jeremiah. Was it because of the way that Jesus had a burden uh, for his people? Uh, There's a couple occasions where we see that burden in the ministry of Jesus. For instance, remember when he stopped on the the road from the top of the Mount of Olives. We call it Palm Sunday Road. Uh, down the Kidron Valley, across into Jerusalem. Remember how the Bible says that Jesus wept over the city. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that slayest the prophets, how often would I have gathered thee as a mother hen would gather her chickens, and ye would not. And so we see Jeremiah weeping ahead of what would happen, just as Jesus wept ahead of what he knew would happen to Jerusalem. Remember when Jesus was carrying the cross uh, from the place of judgment to the place of execution to Golgotha, and he said to the women there, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves. Why? Because he prophesied that within one generation, uh, Jerusalem would be destroyed. And indeed that happened in 70 AD when Titus, the Roman general, who soon would be the Roman emperor, uh, overtook the city of Jerusalem, and there was great carnage and, uh, and, and consequent weeping. And so Jeremiah, Jesus, what a great parallel. And so here in verse number 17, weep. Look at verse number 18. If I go forth into the field, this is Jeremiah speaking prophetically. If I go forth into the field, then behold the slain with the sword. And if I enter into the city, then behold them that are sick with famine. Yea, both the prophet and the priest go about into a land that they know not. I mean, what's going to happen in judgment is the land is going to be unrecognizable. And all of these leaders, these prophets and these priests that have given false messages and false hope to the people, they will witness this. And so far from their prophecies and their teaching being right, far from their philosophy that it's all going to work out, being right, no, they will see the day when these prophecies will come to pass. What a sad reality that is. Verse number 19 now in our text, hast thou utterly rejected Judah? So what do we have in verses 19 through 22? We have a great prayer. And this is the prayer of Jeremiah really on behalf of the people and the people that will be judged, the people that will one day taste of this horrible prophecy that Jeremiah has been uttering. Now, there's a couple ironic things to this prayer of Jeremiah. Remember, first of all, that God said, Jeremiah, don't bother praying for them. And yet Jeremiah is praying here in verse number 19. So is Jeremiah disobeying the Lord? No, the the point is, Jeremiah, don't pray that God's people would be relieved from this coming judgment. I've already decided this will happen. So don't pray that this would be circumvented, Jeremiah. But that's not to say that Jeremiah should not have a heart for God's people. It's not to say that he should not pray for the ultimate restoration of, the ultimate teaching and learning and growing of of God's people, return of God's people, because that's what he is doing. So look at verse number 
19, hast thou utterly rejected Judah? And the answer there is no. God did not utterly reject Judah. Even though this was going to be a time of great judgment, a time where God had to take out the worst kind of spanking, it was not an utter rejection. How do we know that? We know that because God promised that he would uh, honor the covenant that he made to Abraham and the covenant, by the way, that he made to David. So there was not going to be an utter rejection, if for any other reason, because God is always going to keep his end of the bargain. Look at verse number 19 again. Hast thou utterly rejected Judah? Hath thy soul loathed Zion? Lord, do you hate in the sense of loathing and abhorrence your own people? Uh, why hast thou smitten us and there is no healing for us? We looked for peace. There is no good. For the time of healing, behold, trouble. So in the middle of the, the judgment, in the middle of this time of, of great uh, disaster, it's going to seem as if God has just given up. It's going to seem as if there is no hope. And the rhetorical question, Lord, is there no healing at all? Is, is there no hope at all? Is there no future at all? Sometimes in God's chastisements, it feels that way. Look at what Jeremiah goes on to say in verse 20. And I love this part of his prayer. He says, we acknowledge, O Lord, our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers, for we have sinned against thee. This is true repentance. This hearkens to Psalm 51, where David acknowledged, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before you. David acknowledged the essence of his sin. It's God word. Uh, the entrance of sin, it was a heartfelt thing. Um, the effects of his sin, it, it harmed him emotionally and spiritually and physically. That's what Jeremiah is doing here. In fact, the, the prayer of Jeremiah here in verse number 20 reminds me of the prayer of Nehemiah. Remember, years later when Nehemiah received the bad report about the walls that were broken down. This is years after Jeremiah. And Nehemiah prayed that great prayer in Nehemiah chapter one, in which he took responsibility on behalf of the people. We have sinned against thee. We acknowledge our transgressions. Now think of it. Jeremiah is the one that sinned the least. He's the one that has been honoring God. He's the one that has been preaching the message. And yet Jeremiah uses the pronoun we, we, we acknowledge. And that's always the, the humble attitude of leadership. You know, it's our fault. We take responsibility. Look at verse number 21. Do not abhor us for thy name's sake. Not that we don't deserve to be hated. Not that we don't deserve for God to cast us out because we do. But Lord, for your own name's sake, for your reputation, do not abhor us. Do not disgrace the throne of thy glory. This is all about you. Lord, our failure has been a failure that reflects upon you. Uh, people will have a low view of you. People will have a sullied view of you. See, that was uh, Paul's great heart. Lord, I want you to be magnified. I, I want through, even through my suffering, Lord, that you would be bigger in the hearts and minds of others because of my situation. And Lord, forgive me that uh, we have made and forgive us Jeremiah said that we have made you smaller in the view of others. 
And so, Lord, for your own name's sake, for the glory of thy throne, uh, do this. Look at verse number 21. Remember, break not thy covenant with us. See what Jeremiah comes back to? Jeremiah comes back to the unchangeable things, God's covenant. Comes back to the important things, God's glory. Now, watch with me lastly in verse number 22. Are there any among the vanities of the Gentiles that can cause rain? So now Jeremiah comes back to it. Remember, we began the chapter with this great drought, this series of droughts that God allowed upon his people. And a drought was the the biggest in your face to the Canaanite gods. Why? Because the Canaanite gods, like Baal, were the gods of fertility, the gods of rain. And yet those Gentile gods were empty. They could bring no hope for Israel. And now Jeremiah says on behalf of all the people, all of that was empty. All of the things we chased and the items in which we placed our trust, they were all empty. Verse number 22, or can the heavens give showers? Is this just the product of false worship? Is this the product of of nature? Or not? art not thou he, O Lord our God? Therefore we will wait upon thee, for thou hast made all these things. So what was the rock-solid conclusion to which Jeremiah came? And the rock-solid conclusion to which you and I should come? That is, that God is God. He is the creator. He is the redeemer. He is our God. He is our hope. Everything else is vanity. Everything else is worthless, a worthless foundation in which to place our trust. No, God, we realize we have you. And maybe that's the reason for such severe judgment, that God took away everything from Judah so that they would realize that the only thing they had was God. And when we realize he's the only thing we need, then we're in a place where we can properly rebuild our lives upon that foundation. So I hope that helps today. We finished chapter number 14. We'll jump into a brand new chapter tomorrow. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.